If you regularly cross over the George Washington Bridge, then you know that even in a pandemic, traffic can be plentiful. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. The GWB is one of the region's most iconic structures. The 3,500-foot bridge connects Fort Lee, New Jersey to Washington Heights in Manhattan. It's become the busiest bridge in the world, with more than 100 million vehicles crossing it every year. Michael Aaron Rockland is a writer and professor of American Studies at Rutgers University. In his book, The George Washington Bridge, Poetry and Steel, Rockland details the bridge's history, its long-standing rivalry with the Brooklyn Bridge, and its place in American culture. We spoke with Michael just before the pandemic took hold in February of 2020. Michael, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, my pleasure, George. So you say the George Washington Bridge is the most important bridge of the 20th century. Yeah. How so? Well, for one thing, it's the busiest uh, bridge in the world. How Uh, many cars cross the bridge on any given day? About 106 million, well, per year. Per year, 106 million. Uh, Per year, yeah, and uh, there's no the closest uh, other bridge is about seventy million. So, so uh, it's and it rem- and it's eighty nine years old now, and so the fact that it's still the busiest is is quite quite incredible. And it's still standing. The Tappan Zee Bridge was torn down, and they built a new one. Yeah, well, the bro- the George was built extra strong, and they think it'll last another 125 years, that is, with minor repairs. Right now, they're, they're uh, repairing or uh, replacing the stringers, which are the cables which come down from the big cables which hold up the roadways. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's as good as new. Right now, 89 years uh, later. Despite all of that traffic and truck traffic, too, and heavy trucks. Yes. And in fact, the trucks must, since 9-11, take the upper level uh, because it was decided that if there was a terrorist on there uh, with, with a bomb, in the truck, and if the bomb went off, most of the explosion would go off into the air. It would do considerable damage, but it wouldn't bring the bridge down. But if we were on the lower level, uh, that tunnel effect between the two levels would bring the whole bridge down. Hmm. So there's cops to this day uh, watching as people approach, and, and if it's a truck, they send them the other way to go. Uh, must trucks must go on the upper level, which is most of us take the upper level. Uh, I find it more attractive, uh, but that's why there's so many trucks there. I had no idea until I read your book that people call the lower level the Martha. Right. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a little bit obscene, <laughs> um, and uh, th- there are those uh, engineers who point out that the George is built so strong that you could put a third level on it. The pro- the reason they probably never will is the question of approaches. You'd have to tear down a chunk of of Fort Lee yeah. and, and of and of Manhattan <laughs> to do it. But but it's believed to be uh that strong that that it that it could take it. Um and and so the joke is that uh there's George, there's Martha and if there's a third level, it'll be a baby. Hmm. I don't, not sure what it would be called. It's all mythical stuff. But I understand uh, that the lower level was never actually finished. Is that true? There are lanes that were never paved. Exactly. Um, 
Well, that was first true of the upper level, that six of the eight lanes would, were uh, paved at the time that Franklin Roosevelt and the governor of New Jersey, Franklin Roosevelt being governor of New York at the time, inaugurated the, the bridge. Uh, so there were two in the middle, and they thought they didn't need them. <laughs> and then eventually they were paved. The ones on the bottom, uh, two middle ones, that's why there's six lanes uh, active on the bottom and eight on the top, uh, were originally thought uh, by Athma Amen, the Swiss immigrant who built the bridge, uh, that they would be for some sort of public transportation for a train or, or trolleys or whatever. Uh, and so they're still there. And uh, I've talked to people at the Port Authority of New York, New Jersey. Uh, oh, the bridge is so crowded, why don't you pave them? And the problem is uh, they say that uh, it's getting off the bridge which is the problem at the Cross Bronx Expressway is, is is a parking lot, and this would make it even more so. So they know that someday they may pave it, but no plans yet. Hmm. Tell us more about the man who created this bridge. I know Roebling and the Brooklyn Bridge, but I don't know this guy. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, that's part of the animus I have uh, for the— for the George and against the Brooklyn, okay? I, I don't mean to diminish the achievements of the Roeblings, and they, both father and son were pretty heroic uh, in the building of the bridge. The father was really given tetanus and died. The son went down and got the bends and was never the same for the rest of his life. Uh, George doesn't have that kind of tragedy associated with it, uh, Athma Amin was a Swiss immigrant who'd been to engineering school, came over really for, he thought, for a brief, a brief visit, and then uh, decided, gee, America's the place where they're going to build the bridges, and especially around New York. Uh, and so he went to work uh, for uh, uh, an engineer who was then the chief engineer of Bridges, and eventually he got an idea for the George. He originally had thought, and you can imagine this, of building the bridge where it, where it would come out on 57th Street. Wow, could you imagine the traffic? Yeah. Terrible, <laughs> terrible, and, and, and not only automobile traffic, trains as well. That was the original plan, and... Uh, Athma Amin, and by the way, a word on his na his name. When I first started the research on the book, I was I I I, I was spelling Amin wrong. It has t two M's and two N's, mm. and I, I put one N. And I was sitting there for ten minutes reading about Amman Jordan, the ah. capital of Jordan, <laughs> and I'm like, what does this have to do with the bridge? When are they going to get to the bridge? Uh, so anyway, he was a a very hardworking guy who actually spent most of his life living in little town of Booton, New Jersey, um, and then would commute in uh, from there. And uh, uh, he was, uh, and, and, and the bridge, by the way, uh, doesn't look as it was planned. Uh, that, that's part of the reason for my subtitle, uh, 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 referring to the beauty of steel. We never thought of steel as having a potential. Uh, it was thought of as utilitarian. 
The Brooklyn, of course, is masonry structure for both towers. And then uh, it's, it's similarly a suspension bridge. But the Brooklyn is a, is a toy by comparison to the George in, uh, in size. Anyway, he, he uh, wanted to build what was at the time the longest suspension bridge uh, in the world. Uh, and um, at the inauguration, everybody was very happy. It was 1931. But him, he, he was not happy because his bridge was never wasn't finished. Whose decision was that? How come he didn't fulfill that? Uh, because George, uh, because I'm sorry, not George Washington, Franklin Roosevelt, uh, and the governor of, Jer- of New Jersey uh, said, uh, "Look, it's 1931. There's no money." Um, so this is the first project, perhaps, uh, in history uh, that was finished early for less money than it was supposed to cost. How long did it take to build the bridge? Four years, from uh, 27 to 31, but it was supposed to be finished in 32. And had it been finished in 32, it would have been uh, more of a national celebration. That would have been the 200th anniversary of the birth of George Washington. Uh, It was finished, in a sense, a year early because they wouldn't give another nickel for it. uh, the way it was supposed to look, because he wanted, in a sense, to build something that looked like a huge Brooklyn Bridge. It, the two towers were supposed to uh, be enveloped in concrete and then faced in granite. That was going to be the extra money and the extra year. And uh, Franklin Roosevelt asked, well, does it work now? Hmm. Uh, he said, yeah, it works. Uh it's not dangerous? No, no, that was all going to be decorative. Well, then let's open the bridge right now. And they opened it, and they never have uh, uh, done what uh, the original plan was, which was, by the way, made by Cass Gilbert, who built the uh, Supreme Court uh, and the Woolworth building. So he's a, he's terrific. So Amon was working with this terrific architect, but they never did any of the stuff that the architect had in in mind. So uh, so Amon was very unhappy at the inauguration. His bridge was unfinished. But then when he began to hear from some of the great architects of the world, the Corbusier saying, this is the most beautiful bridge in the world. Mies van der Rohe saying, this is the most beautiful structure in the greater New York area. He, he thought, gee, maybe, maybe I did build a beautiful bridge, even though he, at the inauguration, he sat there very uh, quietly and, and, and happily uh, because his bridge wasn't finished, at, as he saw. Later on, uh, when modern, uh, the modernism movement uh, uh, became so prominent uh, and he became part of it, uh, he, he, he then began to feel that of all the bridges he built, and he built six or seven of the great bridges in the New York area, including the Verrazano. Hmm. That was his last. And he was the main consultant on the Golden Gate. And So this guy was maybe the greatest bridge builder of all time, and nobody's ever heard of him. Coincidentally, the George Washington was almost named the Verrazano, right? That was one of the names considered for this bridge. That's right, among among many other uh, names, yeah. Um but a bunch of school children really uh, uh, pushed for the notion of calling it the George Washington Bridge, and uh, 
and obviously uh, uh, it's stuck, and people are perfectly uh, happy with it. Um, so you have this bridge, which whose whose builder considered ugly at the time, which became one of the great icons of of modern architecture. You say in the book that the towers are reminiscent of an erector set project, and in fact, they were even featured on the box of an erector set, right? Yes, as a boy, my father got one, and he and I uh, tried to build a tower, and we failed. It was that complicated. Um, uh, I've always felt kind of, kind of, bad about that as if I let my father down <laughs> but uh yes uh, it 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 was considered um uh, well a, a wonderful steel structure could you make something of steel well and of course again over time it became this this thing that began to be seen as beautiful yeah uh, it, because it was made of steel and wasn't decorated in any fashion. But it does have lights. Were lights always so prominent on this bridge throughout its history? Uh, well, there are lights on the outside cables. There are four giant cables that hold it up. And, and we could talk about that if you'd like, uh, what holds up a suspension bridge. Um, but then uh, in the year 2000, for the millennium, they 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 put interior lights in the towers, so they they glow at night. They have a crystalline, almost diamond-like look uh, uh, at light. Of course, I'm prejudiced because I find it so beautiful. Uh, but um, uh, again, the the it wasn't till just a few years ago that the, the lights inside were built. The lights on the outside were really for aviation, make sure that planes didn't. Uh, hit it. But on, a plane did once land on yes. the George Washington Bridge, didn't yes. it? Uh, two, two young guys took off from Teterboro and uh, they forgot to put the cap on the, on the gas tank <laughs> and, and the gas was sloshing out of there, uh, being lost all along the way and they were over the Hudson just for uh, a joyride, really. And they 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 knew they couldn't come down on the Hudson the way Sullenberg did years later, just missing the bridge, by the way. Something that was never told in that story uh, is he he only cleared the bridge by 200 feet. I mean, it's incredible that that was not mentioned because had hit hit the bridge, everyone on that plane would have died. A lot of people on the bridge would have died, and it might have very well take, brought the bridge down uh, as well. So uh, uh, the, the, um, uh, these two guys, uh, uh, they couldn't land on the Hudson because they were in a little plane with fixed, wing, uh, fixed wheels. And if wheels are fixed, you can't land on anything but land. If you try to come down on water, your wheels will hit the water and you'll just flip over and over and over down the river. You have to come down without the wheels down, if, as Sullenberg did, and land on the belly of, of the city. And they came in. They just cleared the big cables and came in uh, onto the bridge and all was well, but it was a Sunday, luckily, so there was very little traffic relative to the rest of the week. And uh, the funny story, there was this truck driver 
who is crossing the bridge, minding no business, and he looks in his rearview mirror, and there's a plane coming up on him, <laughs> and he speeds up, but it's coming too fast. Wow. And, and, and so it crashes into the back of the truck. Oh, boy. And the two young guys ended up just with broken noses. That's uh, it. That was it. And the uh, trucker? And the trucker wasn't hurt at all. Huh. His truck was a little bit hurt. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, uh, that's one of my favorite pictures in the book of that plane landing on, uh, on the bridge. And uh, and when it hit the truck, it spun around, and, 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 and the plane was destroyed. But the two guys got out okay. The bridge has seen its fair share of accidents over the years. Yes, and it has. You talk about that in the book. Yeah. Yeah, one one of the one of the famous ones is when an eighteen wheeler truck uh, went over the side, uh, and and uh, the tractor of it or where the where the driver was was hanging over the river. Yikes! And and the rest of the truck was on the bridge, totally blocking uh, the Westwood uh, lanes. And the question was, how did they get the guy out of there? He also had a broken leg. Uh, and uh, he's over the water. And so what they had to do is climb through the uh, van of uh, of the truck and then break through the window where the guy was and, and pull him out uh, and, and, and uh, saved him. So, Talk about a rescue, huh? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty dramatic. And there's been fires on the bridge and chemicals and... And uh, animals running on the bridge. Animals running on the bridge. Yeah, well, sometimes you have a truck that's coming uh, with animal full of animals, uh, uh, and and broke open, and the animals are all running on the bridge. (laughs) They're trying to catch it, catch the animals. Well, that happens, I think, on on any bridge, really. Well, when you were a little boy, you used to see horse-drawn carriages come across the bridge, right? Yeah. Well. Uh, that was my notion of New Jersey. I lived in the Bronx, and my mother was, oh, here comes the truck from New Jersey. And uh, we got to remember that before the bridge was built, Bergen County was the most agricultural county in New Jersey. And uh, once they built the bridge, Bergen County became the suburbs uh, more than any other county. Uh, and it's the most populous county of New Jersey t- uh, today. Uh, so that, that changed everything. Anyway, yes, uh, people would come uh, with milk and with eggs and and with uh, trucks full of uh, vegetables and fruit and stuff. And my mother would be looking out the window of her little apartment and, and, and she oh, here they come. And she would shout down to them what she wanted and uh, then she'd run downstairs and, and pick it up. Hmm. And, and uh, yes, these horses and wagons would come across uh, from New and, and there were people who also who simply rode horses across the bridge, huh. uh, just uh, horseback uh, uh, rather than with, uh, with uh, wagons behind them. Yeah, it was very different. Did the bridge always have a pedestrian walkway? Could you always walk back and forth? Between yes, New York and as New a matter of fact, my my first uh, love for the bridge came about because my friends and I, uh, we would take a, a trolley. Uh, it's hard to remember trolley, a trolley to the last stop, and then we'd walk across the bridge. 
taking a little tent with us and f food, and we would camp out in Fort Lee because Fort Lee wasn't full of these giant uh, apartment houses uh, as it is today. It was Fort Lee. It was the country. We were going to the country. Mm -hmm. Right on the uh, other side of the bridge, there was the country, right? There was the country. <laughs> New Jersey was the country, and especially uh, uh, right there. So it was sort of my bridge as a boy. Closer to our own time, I thought, you know, I'd really like to read a book about the George Washington Bridge. And I went to my public library. They didn't have any. The reference library and looked it up and said, I don't think there is a book on the George Washington Bridge. I then asked at my own university library, and they did a thorough search. Said, there is no book on I thought, well, gee, if I'm going to read a book on the George Washington Bridge, I'm going to have to write it. So I did, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. This book first came out about 12 years ago. This is the revised and expanded edition of exactly. the George Washington Bridge Poetry and Steel. Right, and and uh, there are a lot of things that are uh, added and changed and whatever, but the main thing that's happened uh, on the George or about the George was the Great Bridgegate scandal yes. of 2013. A political scandal involving yeah. former Governor Chris Christie. Right, right. And I, I make no bones about it in the book. I, I think Chris Christie belongs in jail. <laughs> uh, his his uh, uh, staff members are the ones who have paid the price. Now, there's simply no laws that cover what they did, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, which was a disaster. Causing uh, a traffic jam for political retribution. Yeah, against the mayor of uh, Fort Lee, Mark Sokolich, uh, who was a Democrat, didn't want to uh, endorse uh, Christie, though he was, they were perfectly friendly. Um, and um, Christie... Uh, uh, you may recall, was at the time the front runner for the Republican nomination in 2016. Mm -hmm. Nobody was thinking of Donald Trump. I mean, they, they thought Donald Trump, he's, he's just joking around or he's just a joke or whatever. Uh, uh, no, and Christie was the man. And uh, uh, the bridge issue torpedoed his presidential uh, ambitions because uh in one survey 69% of new jerseyans held christie responsible for this traffic jam uh fort lee was turned into a parking lot yeah. and it was serious stuff because you had people waiting for four and a half hours to cross the bridge and and some of them were in ambulances going to new york hospitals uh, for surgery uh, there were accidents all over the place. The police could not get to these accidents. A woman died of a heart attack who might have died anyway, but she did. The, nobody could get to her. Uh, if I can be a little vulgar, thousands and thousands of people peed in their pants mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, d during those days. And you also had, uh, uh, it was the first day of school, the first day of the four and a half days, and the school buses could not get across town because of this traffic, uh, this uh, parking lot that the whole Fort Lee uh, town had been turned into. So it was a serious uh, 
an ugly uh, uh, event. And now a big part of the history of this bridge. Yes, right? uh, uh, I guess so. Uh, when it gets to the Supreme Court, I guess that's serious stuff. Um, and so uh, my university press turned to me uh, about some other issues as well, but mainly this particular issue. Was it always a toll bridge? Yes, uh, it always was. As a matter of fact, um, they used to charge you uh, a dime to walk across the To bridge. walk across it. Yes, uh, and, and it was only a quarter to, to ride across it. So I remember my father was there at the uh, opening. I was not born yet, but he was there. And he would always speak about this, uh, the injustice of having to pay 10 cents to go across. <laughs> but pretty soon they said, no, we, let's reduce that to a nickel. And then it was reduced to nothing in terms of of uh walking across and and uh, um so many people have never walked across it's it's great fun i've uh, never walked across oh do admitted it. Uh, uh, um one thing uh we did one time which was fun we went to fort lee uh we had engagements in manhattan and we parked behind uh, the George Washington Bridge offices, which are just above where the toll booths are. And that's only $5 instead of parking in Manhattan, which <laughs> costs you a week's salary or whatever. And we walked across the bridge, and then we went into the bus station. There is, and I, before I started to write this book, I didn't realize it was a bus station. Even though I'd crossed the bridge, 500 times, I don't know. I never saw it. But it's a, it's a small version of the large uh, Port Authority bus terminal, which is down on 8th Avenue and 41st Street. Uh, and it's for all of the buses coming from New Jersey towns uh, that are fairly close to the bridge. Uh, this is where the buses from them uh, go. So I... I, I, I you know, it, it, it's funny, in writing this bridge, uh, I knew nothing about it, really, and, and uh, began to experience it uh, uh, this way. What would you say surprised you most in the research of this bridge? Well, I fell in love with it, but I already was, <laughs> uh, partially. Um, I, ge I guess what surprised me, and after all, that points to the subtitle, uh, uh, Poetry and Steel, I think what I came to see is that you could build beautiful things out of just steel. I mean, it was a basic prejudice. Steel was seen as machinery, uh, industry, factories. Steel was not seen as a, a, a substance with which you could do something, make something beautiful. And, and as, a, as, as I said earlier, uh, it's an accident that that steel is not covered. Um, and it became the, ironically, because Atma Amin, who built it, did not have, he never heard of Deco, mm -hmm. but it became the great icon of Deco. So I think, I think it's that. Uh, uh, and all the people that I, I met who also loved the bridge. And by the way, there's a kind of a, there's a kind of a subtext in the book of uh, New, New York versus New Jersey. Um, uh, 
people in New York love the Brooklyn Bridge. They celebrate the Brooklyn Bridge. I understand that. It's cute. It's It's got these Gothic arches. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds you of Notre Dame Cathedral before its fire. Um, um, people never thought of a George in, until, well, maybe until my book. I don't know, in terms of, 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 of beauty. Uh, I think that's... Uh, the main thing I think that that uh, I hope that I've begun to, and I've met uh, uh, lots of other people along the way. Say, oh yeah, that's the most beautiful bridge in the world. It wasn't just these great architects who thought so. The great architects of modernism. You call it the George. Some people call it the GWB. Some people call it the GW or the GO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel comfortable with the with GWB. I think in the book more, but but people do say to me, "What's what's this GWB?" Well, you get used to it, and you don't want to spell out George Washington Bridge every single right. time. Yeah. So um, uh, it has, yeah. So it has, and in New Jersey, many people just refer to it to it as the bridge, the bridge, the bridge. Yeah. Uh, it's the only bridge of any consequence. Uh, well, it's certainly there are the two tunnels, but uh, the, the George is the only bridge that's bringing you across to uh, Manhattan. And, and, of course, it's bringing you uptown, which is where Amon put it very wisely, as it turned out. The book is The George Washington Bridge, Poetry in Steel. Michael Aaron Rockland, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, my pleasure, George. My pleasure. The George Washington Bridge, Poetry in Steel, is published by Rutgers University Press. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Bodarki. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. Thanks so much for listening. 